We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and that dude right there is Ryan Roberts, our director of recruiting. And Ryan, we're going to talk a little running back recruiting today. Uh, Running back recruiting for Notre Dame is a little interesting right now, and uh, we thought the 2022 class is over. The 2022 class may not be over. We'll see. Uh, There's some decisions to be made there. The 2023 recruiting is still going on, despite the fact that Notre Dame has a commitment from Cedric Irvin Jr. So a lot going on with running back recruiting. We put up our hot board yesterday that kind of gave the latest. And uh, I want to kind of go through it all today, kind of what's on the board, what are the potential options, where does Notre Dame stand with guys. And then after we talk a little bit of running back recruiting, we're going to talk about the latest uh, r- rankings release that came out today from ESPN. I did want to make a note to people in the chat. 247 did not release a new rankings. They simply updated their composite to reflect the new data from ESPN. So 247 has two sets of rankings, their own, which did not change. Ryan and I actually went through that before the show just to make sure. The 247 composite rankings did change to reflect the new data. The comp- I get to ask this a lot, so I'm going to say it now. Um, the composite rankings for 247 is basically taking all the recruiting services into account, right? And so their their rankings get more credit than others, which I'm actually fine with. I, I don't necessarily buy the on three, like, um, you know, all, all the rankings, you know, carry the same weight in ours. So that's not a compliment because ESPN shouldn't be carrying as much weight as the rankings you do if you have any faith in what you do as a ranking system. But anyway, it's a different conversation for a different day. But 247 has not changed their own rankings. They simply updated the composite rankings because of ESPN. So we'll talk about ESPN's rankings and why we should even care anymore about ESPN's rankings or anything ESPN does except for carry games. Because I literally cannot think of one thing ESPN does well right now other than broadcast games that I, I'm struggling to do so, which is sad because my TV used to never be off of ESPN. And now... I don't know when the last time I've had it on ESPN was. So anyway, Ryan, let's dive into running back recruiting. 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of things have kind of been shaken up a little bit. We kind of thought we knew what the 2022 roster was going to look like. And then it was about a month ago. Do you remember the specific date of when Jabron Payne uh, sought, got his uh, release from his letter of intent from Indiana? No, not, not the, not, not the exact day. I remember I did put an update on the board though, a couple days afterwards, because I mean, immediately you're thinking, right. Is Notre Dame going to be connected? Because obviously his right running back coach, Jalen so, McCullough. So just give the background on that, Ryan. Just kind of yeah. why this because number one, he had an offer from Notre Dame from a while ago, but then there was obviously the other the other connection aspect of it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So obviously Dylan McCullough was the running back coach at the University of Indiana, recruited Jabron Payne to Indiana, which was at, when I did the breakdown of Dylan McCullough as a recruiter, that was his highest recruit ever that he's ever landed was Jabron Payne. He was a four-star top two fifty kid that he got to come to the University of Indiana out of the state of Ohio. The backstory basically is with Jabron is that he has dealt with a couple injuries over the last couple years of his high school career that cost him, I think, the entirety of his junior year or most. Oh, of he it. got hurt in the first game. Yeah. yeah. So the, the majority it was of similar his to Tyler year, Buckner's injury when his sophomore year, where he got hurt in the opener and then missed the year. Yeah, and then he also dealt with another injury that we're trying to verify what exactly that injury was during his senior season that cost him a few games. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, was checking in directly with because he only rushed for like a couple hundred yards his senior year right like he played like four or five games and didn't play a ton and you know yeah yeah so then he of course asked to get out of his national letter of intent after coach mccullough leaves for notre dame is that the only reason that he wanted out of the national letter of intent who knows exactly what the full story is i'm sure it's definitely a part of the conversation but he gets out of his national letter of intent so obviously a lot of notre dame fans which makes complete sense are like hey was notre dame gonna have interest there I reached out to Jabron a couple of days after the National Letter of Intent because, honestly, I wanted to give him a couple of days because, like, I'm sure he was getting hit up by mm-hmm, everybody, and mm-hmm. it was probably super hectic for him. But at that point, he had talked to Notre Dame a couple of times already at that point. So there was immediate somewhat of mutual interest, right? So I checked in on him this morning as we're recording this on a Tuesday, and I just said, like, hey, Jabron, just checking in, man. And he told me that he is visiting Notre Dame this weekend. He had visited Notre Dame in the past, obviously, when he was being recruited. Multiple times, yeah. Yep, multiple times. But he is making the return this time for the first time. Coach McCullough is now the running back coach at Notre Dame. And this will be an official visit, I believe. I believe so as well. Yeah, Yeah. I believe so. Because, yeah, with just the timing of everything, it would make complete sense. So this brings up an interesting conversation because Notre Dame, of course, had one running back in the last cycle, the 2022 cycle with Jadarian Price out of Texas, which I know Brian is a big fan of, and I saw him in person. I will say that he moves a little differently than most players on the roster, man. He's got a little bit of giddy up to him, especially in the running back room. So he's a really interesting player. Now the conversation is going to set forth because Jabron was just at Kentucky, uh, I think yesterday or the Mm -hmm. day before. So he is testing the waters, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote. He's taking visits. But now we're left with the conversation of, Will Notre Dame take another running back in the 22-22 cycle? And should you feel good about it potentially being Jabron Payne if they end up doing this? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My understanding is they would take him if he chose to come. Uh, I understand it from a number standpoint for 2022 to a degree. Here's here's where it gets tricky for me. I also believe that they're going to still take two running backs in the 2023 class as well as Jabron Payne, if he wants to come. So him coming is not going to stop them from taking a second back in 2023. That's the only things that I, you know, can say for sure that Mm -hmm. Notre Dame is going to do. The concern that I have is I don't disagree with much of what you said, Brian, in, in that I like Jabron Payne. We were talking about this before the show, just off of his sophomore film. When I did my first initial recruiting rankings, this was following their junior years. Using just his sophomore film, he was the number five back on my board. He graded out as a four-star player. Now, number five may not seem like it's very high, but the top, the four ahead of him were Nicholas Singleton, Dallin Hayden, Jadarian Price, and Gavin Sawchuk, right? Those are all pretty good football players. And a big reason Jabron ranked as low as he did was the knee injury, you know, which impacts the intangibles great. So I was really curious to kind of see what he would do as a senior because I really, he's a slasher. He's got some, he's got some suddenness to him. He's not a burner, but he's got plenty of speed. You know what you want for a back? He doesn't get used a lot out of the backfield, but when he does, he's he shows the ability to make plays. Vision is impressive. Like I really like the running back instincts that he brings to the game, but there's a big problem. If if your concern is depth, a guy that's basically played a half a season in football in the last two years is not a guarantee to really help your depth chart. My my thought is, is that Notre Dame's coaching staff are not idiots, right? And they're going to have done their homework on his medicals. We don't know specifically what his senior year injury was. It could have been something as simple as he sprained his ankle, missed a couple games, came back, sprained his ankle again, and that's kind of what kept him out all year. And he just was never – it could have been a hamstring, then an ankle. It could have, They could have been things that were just annoying and not long-term problems. But the, the point is, is that he's a guy that has been injured a lot, and that's concerning. But if you take that away, this is a good football player. I mean, this is a guy that would have been a take for me at the time if it wasn't for the injuries. So if they do get him, and again, they've got to close because they're not the only school that wants Jabron Payne. Trust me, there's a lot of schools willing to take a chance on him with his injuries. 
he basically takes the place of Sebo Flemister on the roster, essentially. And so you get a younger player that, you know, is going to have more years of eligibility, obviously, than Sebo would have had. So I think five backs is the number that you look for. So I, I don't actually have an issue with this in 2022. My issue is moving forward. You know, there's there could come a chance where you could get a little bit of a log jam, and we can dive into that after we get through the 2023 stuff. But Ryan, he's a good football player. It's just mm-hmm. just kind of look at it and say, I hope he's healthy. Because if he's healthy, then the conversation cha- is going to go in one completely different direction. But if it, if you're not certain and, it, and he hasn't, the medicals haven't checked out, then then this conversation to me goes in a in a different direction. That's what makes really evaluating Jabron Payne. A little bit challenging. Well, and I, I want to just reassure everybody out there. It's not like this is just a Dylan McCullough's here now. So, like, let's give him an opportunity. He was being recruited by Notre Dame before Dylan McCullough. They liked him. Ever. Exactly. Yeah, so, it's just the injuries were the concern for them at the time. For sure. That was, that was the thing. I will say I watched the film after the first time me and Brian talked about it a few weeks ago. I like him. He reminds me a little bit of. Uh, Brian, I remember you talking a little bit about Dallin Hayden. I, I consider him them kind of similar in the in the sense that they have great instincts as runners, really good vision. Maybe not pure speedsters, maybe not pure power backs, but just kind of hit every threshold you would want. Like they're just really solid all around backs. And I'm okay with them taking Jabron Payne if he ends up wanting to come to Notre Dame because I really do think that he has some upside to him. Like this is a Notre Dame level running back. It's not like this kid is again just like a charity throwaway offer that he could play football on the, on the level and at Notre Dame. So I'm interested to see how this heats up very quickly, because I, I think that, like you said, he would be a take for Notre Dame. If he chooses to come, there's going to be competition, but I think we should have some clarity on him relatively soon. It would seem. I'm trying to bring up my board. I actually had him sixth. Excuse me. I had him six behind Quinshawn Junkins as well. I forgot about him. But I'm looking at my grade, and I had him as a four-star player. And, and and this is kind of what I said about him. Like, I had him as a top 300 caliber guy. And this is my analysis of him at the time, right? An injury kept Payne out for the majority of the 2020 season, which drags his grade down a bit, but he's a talented runner nonetheless. Payne isn't the biggest back, but he runs with solid authority. He has a kind of frame that should allow him to fill out nicely and handle being an every-down back. Payne shows good speed, possessing a good first step and enough acceleration to hit home runs. His balance and agility are impressive, and they make him difficult to bring down in space. Combined with his toughness and lower body strength, those traits allow Payne to be a highly productive back between the tackles. The LaSalle standout shows good vision and natural instincts as a runner, and he is just as effective on outside and stretch plays as he is running downhill. His low build also makes him difficult to get a clean shot on, which also adds his ability to make plays after contact. His agility and foot quickness allow Payne to make immediate vertical cuts into open lanes. And they make him a weapon in space. He doesn't catch the ball a lot, but he's impressive when he, when given the chance. He has made the pass game. He has made pass game plays out of the backfield and when lined up in the slot. Payne is a good route runner and catches the ball naturally in the right offense. He could play a good amount of slot. That was my analysis of him based off sophomore film. And that was, you know, done. I wrote, published that back on eh, my birthday last year. So May 11 of 2021. So that was that was done almost a year ago. Right. And so at that time, this isn't like, okay, well, now that Notre Dame's looking at him, let's let's say nice things about him. Right. It's good back. It's just again, it's it's, I go back to the first sentence. It's the injuries. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the big question mark. But clearly both staffs are familiar with this kid and think they they like what he brings to the table. Now the question is, is you know, are they willing to 
you know, how hard are they going to push? And is he willing to, to do what it takes to get to Notre Dame? I think those are both, those are both very interesting questions, but cause there are some, there are some other schools that can promise him a much more favorable depth chart, you know? So it's, it's going to take some, it's going to take some work by the staff to, you know, convince him to be part of the class. But what we have been told, Ryan, as I said, is that they definitely, they definitely plan on, they definitely like him to the point where they want to, they want to, uh, I mean, they're, they're giving it a legitimate run to, to, to get him. This isn't just a, this isn't just a favor to the running backs coach is kind of to the point that you made at the beginning. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And I think it's really interesting too, Brian, because I think, when you have the numbers you have at running back, because you had Chris Tyree, obviously, what was that, the 2020 cycle, and then mm-hmm. you signed the two kids in 2021 in Estime and Diggs, and then you signed Jadarian Price, and Jabron Payne would be the second running back part of the 2022 class. Obviously, that depth chart does start to get very crowded. I think that you can take a gamble on a player that has some injuries when you maybe think that his upside is that where it's like a long-term investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have seen him a little bit more than I do. So I'm, I guess the biggest question is the game is the risk worth the rewards conversation for the piece? Because I mean, I like this film I, again, we haven't mm-hmm. seen much of him the last two years, but certainly talented in my opinion. Right. Certainly. The interesting thing is Ryan, like one of the responses I always get when we're having these kinds of conversations is, Load up, just load up on players. And that sounds great, but it's not always practical because there's two concerns that you have if you if you have too many players in a position. Number one is you can't coach them all, meaning you don't have reps for all of them, okay? You can't get all those guys on the field. Now, for 2022, if, if they land Jabron Payne, that's not a problem because they're at five running backs. It's all good. Uh, and I actually think he is a prime redshirt candidate, and I almost never say that about running backs. But because of the injury history, like let him get healthy. You know, he doesn't have a big workload, you know, so it's not like you're worried about, you know, his his running back clock based on the 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 volume that he's had in high school. He he has about a little volume as you're gonna have of a guy who actually played running back, right? So he's a prime redshirt candidate, in my opinion, that if you need him, he can help you, you know, but it gives him some time to get healthy. Let him go get back, get the, shake the rust off of the last two years on the scout team. And now you're giving your, your defense a good look because he gets a good back. And then, you know, we'll see kind of what happens in 2023. But that's really where you kind of get into concern. If Chris Tyree doesn't go pro, and I have no reason to believe he is going to go pro right now, uh, he doesn't have, like, what, is he barely a thousand, doesn't have a thousand yards career rushing. You know, and if unless nobody transfers, and right now we don't know of anyone that's going to transfer, you're then talking about possibly having seven running backs on the roster in 2023 if they're going to add a second back in 2023, which we believe that they will. So something's going to have to give because it's almost impossible to get enough reps for seven guys to really develop as players. And that's the problem with just load up because you're not improving your depth because the guys that aren't getting the reps aren't going to be ready when their number's called. And now your your numbers don't mean a, a thing. And so you, you, there has to be some strategy. So I don't know what it is, but there must be some concern about something. And I don't even want to speculate because, you know, maybe they see someone move in a position. Maybe there's an injury that we don't know about. Maybe there's, you know, I don't know what it is. I I don't want to speculate beyond that, but 
you're you're starting to get in a situation where if they do what we think they're going to do, which is try to land Jabron Payne and take a running back in 2023 to go with Cedric Irvin Jr., then uh, it's going to be a pickle. Now, of course, there's a, t- a lot of scenarios we could discuss, which we're not going to discuss. But the, the the thing is, though, I think the thing I'll say, Ryan, in counter is mm-hmm. we're we're concerned about numbers. In no part of this conversation is my concern. I don't know if this guy can play at Notre Dame. Right. right. With him, with Jaden Lamar, with Jeremiah Love, like that's not the concern. And that's kind of a good problem to have. Like these are the kind of issues you want to be discussing. Like, do you have maybe too many good players on the roster at this position? Right. Like, so people understand our criticism that we have right now is, you know, some, you know, too much of a good thing can be a problem. So it is a little bit of I just want to make sure that people understand this isn't like a knock on them. It's a it's a concern, but it's the kind of concern you you want to have in that, you know, you don't you maybe don't want to bring in as many talented players as you're talking about bringing in at this point in time. It's I I mean, yeah, you echoed the sentiment perfectly. I mean, I was at the spring practice where it was just like even without Chris Tyree on the field, you're just looking and you're just like, Jadarian Price, what, man, that is insane acceleration for a freshman, like nuts. And then I'm, I mean, you know, I left that day and I was like, Audra Gessemay can run routes like that? Like that is yeah. that's some stuff, man. And then like Logan Diggs was just kind of the guy that what, what fell through the cracks a little bit mm-hmm. during that practice. You're like, he's a darn good football player too. So certainly this is not a talent issue. And it, I mean, it even opens up possibilities in my opinion, because now you're going to be so just happy with the baseline Maybe you still take a Jeremiah Love, even if there's a lock right. jam, because he could play yeah. a different position. Like that, I think opens right. up a lot of possibilities. Let's dive into 2023 recruiting, Ryan, because I think that's going to add some context to this. Because obviously Notre Dame has a commitment from Cedric Irvin Jr. Uh, they got a commitment from him September, right? I think it was a, it was a while ago. He was one of the earlier com- commits in the class. He's a four star running back. And Notre Dame has continued to recruit running backs. There was a time where we were maybe not sure if they're going to take a second back. Once Coach McCullough got in, they looked at the roster and and the guys on the board, and they they pushed. And the guy that they've prioritized as more of the pure running back recruit at this time has been Jaden Lamar. And so Jaden visited, was it for the, I think, the North Carolina or USC games? One of those two games, he was on campus this past fall. I believe it was the USC game, but I could be wrong on that. It was, it was, it was one of the later season games. He's he has confirmed with us that he will be back on campus for the blue gold game. And Jaden and, and coach McCullough has been ever since they kind of looked at the board and he got associated with who they were on that he's been all over Jaden Lamar and coach Reese and Chad Bowden and even Marcus Freeman have been on him. So clearly they like Jaden Lamar. And, and even with their pursuit of Jabron Payne, they haven't slowed down pushing for Jaden Lamar at all. And to the point where, you know, we think if the visit goes well, Notre Dame could be could be really hard to beat for Jaden Lamar. Yeah. Now, it, it, he was an interesting player because I talked to him early right after Coach Taylor had left for the Louisville offensive coordinator job. His former running back coach, uh, Lance Taylor. And he loved Lance Taylor, man. Like, he really did. Mm-hmm. He considers himself an all-purpose back, right? And he thinks he liked the fact that Coach Taylor had experience as a wide receiver and a running back coach. Like that mm-hmm. really parlayed with him. That really, he really aligned with that type of, you know, kind of outlook. And then 
it kind of went a little, you know, st- I don't want to say stalled, but it, like it went quiet for a little bit, right? Because you had the Dylan mm-hmm. McCullough transition and you're and you're trying to figure out the board. And honestly, for a little bit there, we kept talking and we're just like, are they going to take a second running back? Mm-hmm. It, and, and, you know, we had to get clar- clar- clarity on that on that conversation from that side. So talk to Jaden Lamar now. It seems, I mean, they have certainly turned up the heat and have been pretty consistent with the heat yeah. over the last few weeks. So once they decided to go all in, it was, it yeah. was all in. And yeah. I, you know, I mean, we've had conversations with this. I think we both really like Jaden Lamar. I am even a little bit higher on Jaden Lamar. Mm-hmm. Cause man, I, I really think that he just, I think he brings a little more dynamic element than a Cedric Irvin. And although I do think that they are somewhat similar players, I do think he just brings a little more from a dynamic skill set perspective. I don't disagree with that at all. I don't think our difference of opinion is necessarily about Jade Lamar. It's more about the it's again, it goes back to the numbers. Like, do you do you it, like he grades higher on my board than Cedric Irvin Jr.? Like mm-hmm. by a decent amount. Like I like Jade Lamar. I, I the thing I said about him, Ryan, to you, and I and I said on the message board is when I when I broke down his film and kind of put like a mini film thoughts on it. There's nothing about Jaden Lamar that I look at and be like, wow, man, he's really good. But the thing I like about him as a back is I also look at his game and I'm like, I don't really can't find a flaw in his game. Meaning like, there's nothing like mm, I'm really worried about that, right? Like, he just does everything well. He does nothing special, but does everything well. And to be honest with you, backs like that running behind the kind of lines that Notre Dame are going to have are going to be super productive backs. And we just saw with Kyron Williams, a guy like that. I don't think Kyron Williams is great at anything. There's nothing that Kyron Williams, in my opinion, is great at. Uh, except, you know, maybe he can line up in, at receiver better than most running backs can. But that's not a running back trait for me. That's a receiver trait for me. But as a runner, like size, not great. Power, not great. And what I mean, great, it's like he's good, but it's not elite. Speed's not great, obviously. His explosiveness is really good. It's the closest thing he has to being great is that burst. But even then, it's not great. It's just the complete package. It's just he's just good at everything. And we saw what he could do behind, you know, a mediocre line in 2021 and then a a pretty good line in 2020, even without much of a pass game to support him. He back-to-back thousand-yard runner. Jade Lamar, to me, is a better player than Kyron Williams was at the same age in their careers, in my view. So he's a really good back. It's more of just, is he is he that much better than Cedric Irvin that you're going to bring in two backs in the class? That's that's the debate that I have. Yeah. And, and it just kind of goes back to the numbers thing again, right? But, I mean, Jade Lamar is, a to me, a top 200 player. I mean, that's what he – I'll have a, a running back big board coming out this week, either later today or tomorrow – he grades out as a top 200 player. I mean, and as a pure back, he's the, he's the, you know, he's the only guy that I graded out higher is just a pure runner is Justice Haynes, who people have as a top 100 player. And it's not by a ton. I think Justice Haynes is a good back. I I don't think he's quite what some people make him out to be, in my opinion. I don't don't think there's a huge gap between him and Jane Lamar, Ryan. I'm kind of curious on your opinion because they're not going to, they have no shot with Justice Haynes. But I don't think Justice Haynes like is this like this way better prospect than than Jay Lamar at this point in time. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't think this running back class is that great just in general. No, like, just I, nationally. Yeah, I, I don't see like I mean, I see a lot of a lot of good backs, but I don't, I don't really see a dude. Like I, I've seen some of the names and I've no. watched a couple of like the top guys, and 
Yeah, like I'm Richard like, Young's a good back. Cedric Baxter's a good back. They're good backs. Yeah. But they're not, I mean, they're not Nicholas Singleton, right, from right. last year. They're not like that elite. Some of the guys, Bama and George, have been getting in recent years. They're not Travion. I mean, there's no one that can hold a candle what Travion Henderson was as, as a senior in high school, junior in high school, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, because I know Cedric Baxter's a little big, bigger of a back, right? Like, he's like 210, 215, somewhere in that ballpark. But I just feel like we have a lot of the same type of backs in 2023. They're all 185 to 190, 195, which, like, there's nothing wrong with that because kids are going to develop. And I also do want to put, like, there's a big disclaimer here that, like, these guys all have a senior year to play, right? So they could get mm. a whole lot better. There's right. no doubt. But I think that Jane Lamar's one of the best running backs in the country. Like, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it, in my opinion. I mean, one of the best that I've seen anyway. And I yeah. agree. I don't think there's a – I think there's a gap, but I don't think there's a huge gap between him and Justice right. Haynes. Haynes has a little more juice, in my opinion. A little bit. A little, just a little bit of a different athlete. But I don't think that it's so much so where it's right. like – I mean, it's, that's, it's especially not debilitating from right. the sense. So like, that, if, you know. if Haynes was like 75 to 100, Jaden's 150, right? right. Yeah. I mean, that's – that's how I view it. So, you know, again, good player. I think the thing I like about him too, Ryan, is is he does bring that versatility to the table. He is a guy that you look at and say, you know, he can be a, a third down back at the lead, at the at the very at the very least, he can be a third down back because he's, pardon me, not a real big guy, but he does have a pretty. If you look at photos, he has a pretty thick lower body. Yeah, which tells me he's gonna. Which Kyron had at a similar age. You know, he may not be a very tall guy. But he's a really well built, low to the ground, well built, thicker guy. That I, I kind of and I kind of like see that Jabron Payne as well. Like he's not a real big guy, but he's sturdy. He's got a very sturdy lower half, and you really want that in a running back. And so I I, I like what Jay Lamar brings to the table. It's just like I said, it's one of those things where do you really want to load up with two backs in a year that's not a great running back class? That's kind of my question, and part of it is you may not feel great about where you are in 2024. I don't know. I, I don't know where that is, but it, it's, it's, it's certainly going to be interesting. But as we said before, it's a, it's a good problem to have. I mean, if you've got a seven man running back depth chart and Cedric Irvin jr. Is your seventh guy, you're doing okay at running back. Yeah. No, you're <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're all right. So I just, again, I want to reiterate, this is a, this is a question mark. But it's a question mark in a positive standpoint of like, is it really, is it, is it really the, are you really loading, are you using your, directing your resources in the right directions is kind of what I was looking for there. Well, can I, can I pose a question real quick? Sure. We obviously, we just talked a lot about Jade Lamar and if he was the second running back and we feel good about where that direction's going. My question for you is in a hypothetical world where Notre Dame does land both Cedric Urban Jr. and Jaden Lamar, what does that mean for Jeremiah Love, who we both are fans of, who has a big – I mean, he's a 6'1", mm -hmm. 195 kid, who I think could be 215, maybe 220 down the road, yeah. who has 10, 700-meter speed as yeah. a sophomore. So, like, this huh. is an athletic kid. Right. So, I've tried to do a little bit of digging on this, and I believe that Notre Dame is going to continue to if, – if they were – let's just say hypothetically that they land Jane Lamar at some point in time this summer, right? Spring or summer, let's say he, he makes a decision and he picks Notre Dame. Okay, just hypothetically speaking, my understanding is Notre Dame will still continue to recruit Jeremiah Love because they view him like we've talked about as not a pure running back. He's an athlete that you figure something out for. And there's several guys like that. And I, I'll say that is something I really like about this staff. They are more willing to recruit guys not knowing what position they're going to play. 
than maybe we've seen in the past. And and Ryan, you see, I know you see this in the NFL when you're doing draft. There's a lot of people that have been coaching a long time that get real nervous when you can't say this guy plays that. They get real nervous. And I think that's one of several things that factored into Jeremiah Wusukoromoa slipping last year. It's just, just one of them. There's other factors, but I think that's one of them. And, and so to me, when I look at it and I, and I see a guy like Jeremiah Love, when I see Samuel and Pemba, when I see Ronan Hannafin, for the life of me, I can't tell you where they're going to play. Because if you ask me on Monday where Ronan Hannafin's going to play, I'm like, he's he's a, he's a rover, right? And then you ask me on Tuesday where Ronan Hannafin's going to play, and I'm like, man, I really, you know, I had somebody I trust tell me, boy, he reminds me a lot of Alec Pierce from Ohio State or from Cincinnati. And I'm like, yeah, I see that. You know what? I like him at receiver now. Wednesday, I'm back to rover. Thursday, I'm, he may grow into a will. Friday, you could convince me maybe you give him a shot at safety, <laughs> right? Like that's just the kind of guy he is. Samuel and Pemba, same thing. They're recruiting him for Rover. He could play Mike. He could play Will. He could play Viper. I had somebody say, well, what do you think about him growing to a big end? And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. I see that. And guess what? He could play tight end. I have no clue where he's going to play. And Jeremiah Love is the same thing. Like, you, you know, you watch him play and he just reminds me, and this is why I said the comp that I had for Jeremiah, because you had said, I think, Josh Adams, right? Mm-hmm. And my comp was CJ Procise because I think he's a more elusive athlete than Josh was. Josh was a fast dude like he was gonna go jeremiah's got some shake to him a little bit right like not like juke shake but just like you know lateral quickness and like maybe he could play safety maybe he could play receiver maybe he could so you know and then if there are some injuries at running back you know you could put him at running back and cj Procise played safety receiver and running back during his career at notre dame you need guys like that kavari russell was recruited to play running back and became a three-year starter corner Right. Matthias Farley spent his freshman year playing receiver. So did James on before they moved over to defense, you know, and, and so I'm kind of okay bringing in some of those guys. Now there comes a point in time run where you can do too much of that. But I think the unique thing about this class, because it is going to be a 20, they, they want to get up to 25 in this class. Mm-hmm. You and I went through the numbers, uh, the minimum numbers and, and looked at it. And we're like, you know what? Like 22 is the number to get to your minimum needs at every position which means you got three spots to mess with. So maybe one of them is a second back. Maybe another is a couple athletes that maybe don't project to one of your need positions. Yeah. And, and I, you know, when, when I, as I've learned, as I become more confident that they're going to continue to recruit Jeremiah love, I start getting more confident that this staff, they know what they're doing. They're not going to turn down an athlete who can, who can play other places. Well, that was my biggest takeaway, honestly, when we first talked about this, I think. And I said, when if you have a staff that is just okay with taking athletes that maybe you can't have a absolute like understanding of where they're playing, that means that they have confidence in themselves as developers. Like They have a confidence in themselves to make the right decision. They have confidence in mm-hmm. themselves to let it play out and let it develop. So I think that's a big... That's a big pat on the back, in my opinion, to the coaching staff. I think that that shows a lot of confidence in the the staff that Coach Freeman's put together because mm-hmm. he's letting those guys coach him up and he's going to let them develop. I think that's a huge sign for for that for that uh, point of emphasis. Well, I think there also has to be great communication within the staff, though. I mean, that's that's the thing is you've you've got to be willing to tell people, hey, look, you know, you're not going to get this number and you're not going to get this number that you know, hey, Al Golden, you're not going to get the number you think you're going to get. Hey, Tommy, you're not going to get the number you think you're going to get because we're leaving two to three spots open for just football players. Right. And, and, you know, we'll figure out where to put them. 
there there needs to be communication and there needs to be trust in in the whole operation and, and that's one thing that i think has worked well so far for the staff is there is a constant communication right like you know i'll reach out to in the past i would reach out to three different sources and get two or three different answers i i'm not really i haven't had that in a while i haven't experienced that in a while you know and i and i think that's a that's a positive so they have a plan I think the question that I have is just, is it, is it going to work out? That's the, that's the question, but there's clearly a plan in place. And when you look at running back recruiting, it's going to come down to just a situation of, can you close on the guys you want? Right. That's the big thing. They got to close on the guys they want. They they want Jabron Payne. They want Jay Lamar and they want Jeremiah Love. Can they close on all three of them? That's going to be a big question mark, but it's one I'm looking forward to kind of finding out, Ryan, Mm -hmm. when you, when you look about, when you think about breaking down this, this group. Before we begin, I do want to uh, Ray Panconi with a super sticker. Ray, thank you very, very much for that. Uh, Randy Hernandez also with a super sticker. Randy, thank you again, also so so much for that. And then Ray had another super chat, Ryan, that he had a question on, and 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 Ray is dating himself. So me and Ray are probably a little bit closer to age than me and you, Ryan, you and I, because uh, I remember this guy. We need to use Tyree like the Browns use Eric Metcalf. That is how he will be used in the NFL. I see him as all, all purpose back, not a bell cow, wide receiver, running back, and returner. So I think I, I understand where people are coming from with this, but I but I think we have to the, – the reality is, Ryan, there really aren't bell cows in college football as much as there used to be. No. Now, there are still some, right? Brees Hall was a bell cow, right? I mean, Kenny Walker was a bell cow. But a lot of teams don't really have that. Like, I, I pointed this out when uh, Georgia played for the title in 2017. They had two great backs. Nick Chubb clearly is a guy that can be an every-down back. But if I remember correctly, and I'm going to pull this up again because I've said this a couple times, and I want to make sure that I'm accurate. Sony Michelle. So uh, No, 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 with uh, Nick Chubb. Nick yeah. Chubb that year, yes, I'm correct. Nick Chubb only carried the ball 20 times in the game once. Mm-hmm. that year and he went 15 13 16 15 16 16 16 13 20 11 15 12 13 14 and 18 and he rushed for 1300 yards yeah. uh, he averaged you know he had 22 223 carries in 15 games because they obviously played for a championship that year and then obviously Sonny Michelle uh, carried the ball 156 times that season and you know he had one two three four five games where he carried the ball less than 10 times i mean the reality is is if you have depth at the position you don't need a bell cow but that doesn't mean that tyree has to move out of the slot right or move out to the slot he's not a receiver right he's not the to me the shifty type of player that an eric metcalf was and i don't know if you remember eric metcalf played for the browns 21 yeah so you know i don't know if he's that kind of athlete i think there's this impression of Tyree that he's like this really shifty slot kind of guy and that's not really it. he's a one cut and go explosive home run player right and, and I and I think that that as fans were maybe writing him off well not maybe I think some of us are kind of writing him off as the the running back way too early in my opinion uh, because as good as Logan Diggs looked last year his production as a freshman wasn't close to the production that Chris Tyree had as a freshman. Not close. He was Chris Tyree was two and a half yards better per carry. He doubled his yards, more than doubled his yards. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we need to just assume that Chris Tyree is going to be a change of pace back. I think he right now, from everything I've talked to, he is going to be the starting back. 
Now, can you use him in different ways? Yes. But I don't know if I'm at the place yet where I'm ready to pigeonhole him whole as some sort of situational running back as he's going to kind of rotate in with those other guys. I think right now he is their best running back in my view. Yeah. Well, I, I think that it's really a, a interesting conversation for 2022 season because you have Chris Tyree, who's that smaller one cut home run threats. You have Logan Diggs, who's kind of, you know, really, I, I consider him a very slippery runner, very patient type of back. And then you have Estime who, I mean, has, I think underrated quickness for as big a back as he is, but I mean, he's a 228 pound running back. So you have a very different mix of backs and I think they're going to mesh really well together. Mm-hmm. I also don't think Chris Tyree is that as like slot guy. Like I consider him, he can make an impact in the pass game because I think, you know, running choice routes and option routes against linebackers. Like and that's wheels rare. and exactly. seems like we've seen him do. Right. Right. Exactly. He's not going to line up in the slot and run a corner, a, a, you know, a corner route where he screws the safety into the ground. I just don't, I don't see that. He's not a guy you throw a screen to and he's going to make three people miss and cut back across the field and do a, no, you want somebody to do that, give the ball to Lorenzo Styles, right? Like that's right. not that that's not Chris. And that's not a criticism. It's just it I think I think the problem that some people have, and I and I've heard this a lot, and I'm not putting this on Ray. I'm, I'm this is on other conversations I've had. It's because he's not like Kyron Williams that they assume that that's like a negative. Well, you know, Kyron's shifty and he shakes. I'm like, okay, fine, but not every back has to be that way. Terrell Davis wasn't that way. And so it worked out pretty well. You know, like there's Terrell Davis wasn't like Barry Sanders. They were completely different backs. Emmett Smith wasn't like Barry Sanders. Walter Payton wasn't like Barry Sanders, but they were all great backs. And I think that's kind of the thing for me with, with Tyree is number one, I don't think Chris Tyree is a 20 carry game guy, but that's not really a thing anymore. And and that's kind of, again, that's kind of where it comes down to for me, Ryan, is I don't think that's the criticism that it used to be. It used to be a thing where if you weren't a 20 carry guy, that was going to hinder you, right, mm-hmm. as, as a lead back, because that's where the, the game was. I don't I don't think that's that's really a thing anymore. I'm looking at Kyron Williams last year. He carried the ball more than 20 times twice last hmm. year. Yeah. Four times the year before that. But what was one of the criticisms we had? They're, they're not using the other backs enough. Right. And and so and he was an every down back. I mean, you would agree with that, right? Kyron was an every down back. Absolutely. So I just think we need to we need to I, I think that I'm I'm curious to see what if you know Chris Tyree can kind of get back to being what he was because I just it's almost like the success he had catching the ball in the bowl game, Ryan, hurt his hurt his perception of him as a running back. Because he didn't run the ball at all, like they didn't have any success running the ball. But he has a hundred yards passing, and but it was all out of the backfield. It was a swing route that he took for twenty yards. It was a quick blitz beater over the middle. It wasn't like they threw him the ball in space and he made people miss. You know what I mean? Like the wheel route he caught for a fifty-five yard touchdown against Toledo. That that wasn't a receiver thing. It wasn't a slot thing. All his big plays as a as a running back have come out of the backfield. Well, and that's that's creating mismatches, right? <laughs> Again, like that four three speed against a linebacker or second level defender. That that's where the money's made. I think the more interesting conversation as far as twenty twenty two, Brian. I don't know if you agree with this, and I know we're still in spring practice, so this might even change a little bit. I agree. I think that Ty- Tyree's going to end up being the most volume runner of the running backs, at least get the most carries. I'm interested to see how the pecking order works out as far as 
who's number two, who's number three. And if there is a like clear distinction between who's two and three, or if it's all very like meshed and very yeah. close together, like I'm interested to see that. Right. That that's the battle for me. And, and look, there's a scenario in which if Chris Tyree doesn't get back to being healthy and, and he misses time in the fall, like he missed in the spring, he could find himself as the number three back. I mean, that's the thing is I'm a big, big proponent of Chris Tyree as a starting running back, but He's not so much better that he can keep missing time and be there. Now, from what I understand, this spring is he could have come back. They didn't want him to come back. They weren't trying to rush him at spring ball, right? Like it's, you know, they they know what he can do, get some other guys some reps and all that kind of stuff. Because they also wanted to shake some of the rust off of Logan Diggs, who missed some time during winter workouts. So I, I don't think it's I – think, I think there's a lot of assumptions that it's going to be Diggs, Tyree, Estime. I don't think that's necessarily – it could end up being that way. It could end up being Diggs, Estimate, Tyree. It could end up being Estimate, Tyree, Diggs, and in any shape – because there are, like you said, Ryan, there are really good backs. And if some one of those three guys doesn't handle his business in the fall, it could be Jadarian Price in that conversation, right? And that's a good place to be. And and potentially it could be Jabron Payne in the conversation. But the the thing is for me is I, I think the assumption that Chris Tyree is going to be a change of pace with one of the other big backs is, is a wrong assumption. And the fact that Audric Estime is locked into number three is also. And, and what I mean by that is not that he may get beat out by Janarian Price, more that he may beat out somebody ahead of him. He very much well. look at it. Yeah, I, I mean, one of my biggest takeaways from when we went to the spring or when um, me and Sean went to that spring practice and, and with Vince was I had not really seen a, a lot of volume or a lot of reps from Audric Estimate before. I had not seen it. That kid's impressive, man. Yeah. If, he, if you leave the spring and he's your third back on this team, that, I mean, nobody can ever tell me that there's not talent on this running back room. Uh-huh. I know pe- people would question that, right? Because they'd be like, oh, Kyron's carrying the ball so much. Why are other running backs not getting not getting more playing time? All that conversation. I'm here to tell you right now, Audrey Estime's foot quickness for 228 pounds is absurd. Like, it is really, really impressive. He was running some routes and just one-on-one where – I mean, the fluidity that he has for 228 pounds, it was impressive as anything for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree. And I think whenever we, as long as he continues to do his thing in spring, because he looked really good that day, if he continues like kind of that trend, he might be my breakout star for yeah. this team in 2020. Like, I would not be shocked if he ends up being number one back. I would yeah. not be shocked if he's your leading rusher. I wouldn't. I mean, let me ask you this, though, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Who would shock you if they... I think the only person that would shock us as being the number one back would be Jadarian Price simply because he's a freshman. I mean, would you be shocked if Logan Diggs is the number one back? Would you be shocked if Chris Tyree is the number one back? Now I get what you're saying no. because Audric Estime is the least talked about, right? So sure. which is why – and so I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just pointing, building on the point that you made is th- this is a talented group because sometimes you're like, I don't know who the starter is going to be because none of these guys are good enough to be starters. This isn't that, <laughs> right? This is more of a – there's some really good players here. The funny thing is, is you know, you talk about like the not playing is like last year. One of the things we would hear in the chats when we would talk about why isn't Logan Diggs playing? Well, if he was good enough and he'd proven himself, then the coaches would play him. And then he just miraculously proved himself ready to play the game where Chris Tyree got hurt and he had to go step in. Like he just miraculously was ready to play by that point in time. The fact is, is this is a talented group of players. And and I hope that Notre Dame finds a way to make all get all of them touches. And I it could be a situation too where 
I think the other thing you got to do is you sometimes you just got to ride the hot hand. You go into a game thinking that Audric Estime is going to be your number three guy, and the you know the first series he gets in, he's just boom, boom, big run, big run, big run. You might want to throw him back in there that next series and let him get a little bit more touches. And so I think that's the interesting thing. But I think the thing about Chris Tyree is because he's such a big play weapon, and because he can get the ball out of the backfield as a pass catcher, I think number one, he can. If 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 things are going the way that Notre Dame needs him to go this year. It's going to be a scenario in which Chris Tyree doesn't need 15 touches a game to get his. And that's where I could say, I could see a scenario, Ryan, where Chris Tyree leads the team in rushing yards, but not rushing attempts. Like I could see that, right? I mean, you know, because on his drive, he had two carries and he went for 70 yards. And on Logan's next series where he's in the game, he has five carries for, you know, 35 yards or 40 yards. And so to me, that's that's where I, I could see that happening as well. And then Chris has the most overall touches because you add pass game and stuff like that in there. So it's a good problem to have. And then if you throw kind of circling back, if you throw Jabron Payne in there, I think what that does is if he's healthy, and that's a big if, and we're hoping to find out, you know, we've I know you've made inquiry in, inquiries to Jabron about what the injury was last year. Because if it was just like a, I pulled my hamstring and it just never got right. And that's a different deal than I broke my foot or I, my shoulder popped out of socket and I couldn't play or I tore my knee again. Right. Like, and that's why we're trying not to speculate on what that injury was. Cause I don't know what the injury was. And, and, you know, that's kind of, for me, some of the hesitation I have is because of that uncertainty, but clearly Notre Dame is, and here's the other thing from the time he went into the portal to the time he visited, a, a decent amount of time passed, like well over a month. Knowing the staff the way that I do, and this is speculation on my part, bless you, speculation on my part, I have to think a lot of that time was doing their due diligence on the medicals. Or I feel like we're talking about the draft, right? Like the medical, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I have to think that, that Notre Dame has, in that period of time between portal visit which is going to happen this weekend i have to think that notre dame spent some time doing finding out if jabron really was healthy and if if he was projected to to be able to be that guy i I think that's one element brian that i mean it's not even directly to jabron Payne. it's not really directly to this conversation as much but i think the one thing with the transfer portal is that there is some like legitimacy to hide if you're a player to hide information right like you haven't seen a player in person and i know that there's i mean so i do some scouting stuff for the college gridiron showcase which is an nfl based you know um all-star event but they're even putting out an event sometime in june where they're allowing every player on the transfer portal to come out and to get verified measurements to get verified information as far as like testing and stuff and I think that's like one thing that people can fall into with the transfer portal a little bit is that like, you don't really know what the product is that you're getting until they're there. Right. Like you haven't seen them maybe ever in person. So I think that there is a battle that you might be facing a little bit with the transfer portal. So we look at it, Ryan, get back to kind of Jabron Payne. It's going to be on campus this weekend. Notre Dame's making a push. They'd like him on the roster. 
We'll find out if they can make that happen. And he was not an early enrollee at Indiana, so that's it's not a transfer situation. It's can he clear the high, you know, can he clear the academic uh, situation? And, and that that diligence was done a while ago because he was a guy that Notre Dame recruited. So it's not like they're starting from scratch there. And then of course you've got Jeremiah Love visited in mid March. That went really well, you know, and you reported on that at the time. It went really well. And Jaden Lamar is going to be on campus April 23rd. So running back recruiting has been uh, has been certainly much. It went from like super quiet, like we couldn't hear like almost anything. And then like there was a report about, you know, Jaden Lamar and training Notre Dame. And then you talked to him and it was like, I don't even have a visit set up to Notre Dame yet. You know, it's just like, okay, where's this going? And then all of a sudden, bam, 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 loves on campus. Lamar's coming. Jabron Payne's official visit. And it it caught up quick, so it, it was it was pretty interesting how the whole thing is has sort of translated. Yeah, no, it's ha- it's happened quick, and I know it can in the recruiting world. I mean, you put in the uh, in the in the premium uh, chat in the uh, premium uh, board, Champions League board, Champions Lounge. I'm sorry, I, I can't speak right now. That like Champions I mean, Lounge, a, a, yes, Champions Lounge. Uh, for, like you said, over under on how many commits we get in April. Right? We had somebody like, ask about that earlier in the chat too, right? And I mean, I think you set the over under at four and a half, right? So it's like things are happening quick, man, and they're going to continue to happen quick, which is always why it's so exciting. But especially for running back, because I felt like for so long we were just trying to understand exactly how the numbers were going to shake out in 2022. If there was going to be Jabron Payne in the class, potentially, it, I mean, if they choose to get him in there even now, what's 2023 going to look like in effect to that? Because that's going to have a ripple effect to a degree. So it's moving fast. It's going to be a busy April. And we're going to, I mean, we're going to conclude it or not conclude it because it's only going to be the 23rd, but I can't wait to get in person in there for the spring game and to kind of see how everything kind of shakes out from a, from a visit standpoint, because there is a lot of talented players. I mean, we have eight of nine commits in the 2023 class for Notre Dame that are going to be on campus. And if you're on the premium message board, you should go take a look at the visitor list because that weekend is going to be absolutely insane on Mm -hmm. South Bend. Yeah. And it's, it's growing. I mean, there's, there's going to be more added to that list. And I think you said what uh, Cooper Flanagan is the only I think you said committed kid that won't be there that weekend. Right. And he he's trying to get back, but I, what'd you say? It's probably going to happen. His visit is probably either going to be before or, or yes. an official in the summer. Correct. Yeah. So he had, so he has one visit set up for, I believe this weekend. And then he has another that was June 10th or something like that was his official. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that I would imagine that the reason you want to come back this weekend instead of the blue gold game is he wants to see the practice. I think it's a confirmation that, yeah, okay, because, again, it's a guy with a new coach, a new position coach. Exactly. And, you know, you want to – and that's like like Brennan Vernon was on campus on Saturday. And not that there was a, there was no wavering going on with Brennan Vernon. It's just more about like, hey, I want to I see Coach Washington in action, right? Like I want to see him working with the, with the group and, and those kind of things. We've seen other players. I'm, I'm trying to think who was – there was another guy that said that too, another commit that was like, you know, I can't remember what – which one it was we've talked about so many kids, but it was like, look, I, it's not that I'm wavering. I just, you know, I just want to see coach in action. And I, I think that's a good thing. And I know yeah. that was something Cardinal Tate wanted to see, you know, when, when you getting to see coach Stucky working with the receivers and things like that. So 
you know, I think that's certainly um, going to be something that a lot of the kids want. And for a kid like Cooper Flanagan, you can't come for that this weekend and then come back for the yeah. Blue Gold game. That's not exactly a cheap couple trips, right, since he's coming from Northern California. So it's not like Drake Bowen can come whenever the heck he wants to as long as he doesn't have baseball practice. And, and so I think just, I, I think it's worth mentioning, too, for his official, that is, I believe it was June 10th that I put on the board as well. Rico Flores is also going to be in town, too, mm-hmm. is also a California kid. So I, I think it's smart of Notre Dame to get kind of that yeah. same demographic of player coming at the same time. I think I think that that's a pretty smart and strategic way of doing it, I, I think, personally. I think that's going to be their big June weekend, too. Like there's always one weekend and at least, well, always we've had like, what, what two summers worth of official visits. We're really one because COVID messed up the one year, but there's usually like that one weekend. That's like the big weekend. And it it's looking like June 10th is going to be that weekend. Cause I believe, I believe there's a couple commits slated to do their official visits that weekend as well. And so uh, including some local commits. So if that's the case, then that tells me that there's, there's a chance that that sucker is going to be really loaded up with big time players. So um, it's, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of lot going on between for recruiting between now and then uh, certainly, certainly no question about that. We did have a couple questions we want to get to look, we're, we're kind of wrapping up the recruiting part, Ryan. I want to address some of the things that were brought up at the beginning uh, about the recruiting rankings, but we did have a couple questions about running back that I wanted to get to. Um and then we'll get to the Benjamin uh, Karchi's question about the blue gold game when we, at, at some point as well, but two things, Quinn Kibler said, uh, uh, do you think Tyree's run style is more lethal tagged with an athlete like Buckner more complimentary compared to the other guys? That is, I was with you on the first part, but when you turned it into complimentary, that's where I lost, you lost me. I don't th- think Chris Tyree is a complimentary player. And when, cause when you say that, Ryan, you're usually to me, it implies that he's not the guy, can't be the guy. He's compliments something else. I think the first part of what you said, do you think Tyree's run style is more lethal tag with an athlete like Buckner? 100,000% agree. I know that's not a real number, but <laughs> you know, um, not in this context. It should be. It should be. It is, in, but just not in this context. Sure. Uh, I think that when you have a back that's explosive vertically like Chris Tyree is, it's really dangerous when you have a quarterback that's as dynamic as Tyler Buckner. And we saw that in 2017. I mean, how many times did Josh Adams just take an inside zone or a buck sweep 60, 70 yards for a touchdown untouched? Why? Because you're trying to figure out, okay, am I I defending him or am I running with Brandon Wimbush, who – proved against BC that if you focus too much on too much on the running back, he's going to pull it and run for 200 yards in the game, which he did against Boston College, right? And so that made that team very dangerous. And Brandon Wimbush at that time didn't have, in my opinion, the, pra- the passing prowess that Tyler Buckner has now, which makes it even more dangerous. So yeah, when, when, if, because a guy like Tyree Quinn is, if there's any hesitation on, on the part of a linebacker, a safety or an overhang, you're not catching him. It's just not going to happen. And so when you have, when you're running, like what I think we're going to see a lot more of is Notre Dame, Harry Heaston is a zone coach, right? Like he can coach buck sweeping and coach counter. And they've run some G scheme with him in the past. Like it's not that he doesn't coach other things. That's not what zone coach means. 
Nobody just runs inside outside zone. The Broncos back in the day didn't just run inside and outside zone. What it means is that's your bread and butter. That's the foundation that you build your run game around. And so we're going to see a ton of inside zone this year. I have a feeling a lot of it, it will be read zones in our, with our NRPOs because you're going to want that running element with Tyler Buckner, which then means on times when you aren't running a read zone and Tyler Buckner's giving, but then taken off on a run fake, which he needs to do every time. Like if you're not, if you're handing the ball off, if it's a designed inside run, you better be running and carrying out that fake. Cause if you can get a guy to, to hesitate for a second, that five yard run turns into a 50 yard touchdown. And we've seen it. We've seen it. And with all due respect to Josh Adams, he's not as explosive as Chris Tyree is. It's just Mm -hmm. not. Because Josh needed some steps to kind of get that speed going. Chris is an explosive back. He's got the combination of burst and home long speed. And so, yes, I think it is more lethal. I just don't think he's more complimentary. I actually think if you're going to talk about complimentary – I think Logan Diggs is the most complimentary of all the backs because he does so many different types of things. You know, he can be a guy that only maybe touches the ball seven times, but he can pass block, he can catch the ball, he can do a lot of different things. I think Chris Tyree's running style is that of a one-cut inside-outside zone back who has also ripped off long touchdown runs on counters because he's a patient runner, he has good vision and all those type of things. So I just... I, I and that kind of goes back to what we said earlier, Ryan. I think it's where so too many of us are kind of pigeonholing Chris Tyree into this niche player role, and I don't think he belongs in that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also agree with the first sentiment because I think that what Tyler Buckner gives to you in the run game is something that is like incalculably important because I think people just want to talk about him pulling the football and him being an actual rushing element, but. Him being able to hold that read and hold that overhang or that edge defender, that's the read off of it. I mean, it just it puts so much stress on the defense because now you're working on against a lighter box. And if you have Chris Tyree against a lighter box where, let's just say in theory, that a linebacker take, makes one bad mistake, he fills the wrong gap, and now you're a gap short, and he hits an open gap. I mean, this is the type of kid, like you said, with that explosiveness and that home run ability that – if he gets a crease, he's gone, man. Like he's not gonna make. Like you might, he might not maybe be gone. He's gone. He like he is legit four three speed. There's not many people in college football or even in the NFL for that matter that if Chris Tyree gets a step on you, you're gonna be able to recover and catch him from behind. Like that's just the reality of it. So I, I do agree to that first sentiment as well that Tyler Buckner unlocks huge potential right. with Chris Tyree in the run game because football again, it's a numbers right. game and. It's- Tyler yeah. Buckner makes you gives you the advantage, no matter if he right. pulls it or he doesn't pull it. And I I think he helps all the backs. There's no doubt. What what we're saying is the difference though is is Chris Tyree turns a 20 yard run into a touchdown. Right. That's that's the difference. And and then the other question from Terry was counting on Harry Heastan to improve the O line so the the offense won't be one dimensional. I think and there was another question that somebody asked about you know is is Tyree's style such that it's his his success is more dependent on the line that I do agree with. I don't because Tyree's not a shifty make you miss kind of guy. He's not going to be as successful as we saw last year on a line where he's got to do a bunch of juking and dancing like Logan Diggs did and like Ky- like Kyron Williams did. I do think there's merit to that. I do think 
one-cut style guys are a little bit more dependent on the line doing their job. You do your job and then let me do do what I do. Whereas Kyron could kind of make something happen when there wasn't anything there. Logan has some of that to him. I don't think that's Chris's game. That's not a criticism because you don't want to have to rely on running behind a crap offensive line. But I do think that improvement up front, Ryan, is is more will benefit him will benefit him more than it may benefit others because of his particular style. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. Cause like you said, for his style, you just have to be one gap short or you have to have one, one little crease and he's going to create a small chunk play into a very large chunk play. Like I think that estimate has a good amount of speed for a bigger back. I think that Logan Diggs has, has good speed for, for his style as well. But those guys are guys that like are going to create explosive plays that are going to be 20, 30, maybe a 40-yard run occasionally. Chris Tyree is the one, though, in this. I mean, you could throw Jadarian Price, I guess, in this conversation, too. But, like, I mean, Chris Tyree is one of the fastest players in college football, regardless of position. Like, it's just the fact of the matter. So, yes, the improvement of the offensive line, the ability that Chris uh, um, Tyler Buckner, excuse me, has as a read option player to hold another defender out of the box – these these are where the home runs are going to come from. The explosive plays that the the plays where Brian, when like you're having a tough day running the football and maybe you're not having your best game, Chris Tyree changes that very quickly because right. then you're like, oh yeah, that that he can turn that little crease into a big play. Exactly yeah. the the margin for error is a lot bigger with a guy like Chris Tyree because he he has that opportunity to create those chunk plays to create those explosive plays. Agree. Agree. We have a couple other things here. Benjamin uh, Karchi said, do we think the blue gold game sparks the avalanche? Maybe. I think the avalanche has already started, my friend. I don't think it's sparked it. I think it's just going to continue the momentum. I think it's already sparked. Sparked meaning you think there's some silent commits out there? Or are you referring to just where they are now with the nine commits in the class? Well, where they are now with the nine commits as far as affirming everything, but also where they are trending with just the other players that are right. not yet committed. Like I feel like the, I feel like the avalanche has already started. It's just that April is going to be a very busy month for right. kids starting to commit, making that final decision. Like there's going to be a lot of clarity, I think, on the class, but I don't necessarily agree with the fact that the blue goal game is the initial starting point. Like I feel like that's just I think like, the I don't think the cap it off. Right. Yeah. I, I think a bit more like a story, right? Like it's a little bit of a climax. We're at the rising action. It's already right. sparked. Now we're about to hit the climax and that's where the falling action comes. Right. Comes because then after the blue gold game, we won't see as much until the summer. Exactly. Right. I mean, exactly. that's, that's the reality. Yeah. I think they're going to get several commitments beforehand. And, and, you know, we had a thing, what was it? I know we talked about it earlier, but, but we were, we did a thing on the board yesterday where we were just having some fun and you know what's the over under and originally it was like two and a half right and then i just said for for fun let's make it five and a half and i did it for fun and of course you know i put my prediction i took the over and put my prediction i'm like oh you know who it is i'm like well not really like some of the guys i'm pretty confident in right but some of the guys like i don't i don't know who the second lineman would be in this class right now i i I feel good about some guys but i don't know that a second lineman is going to come in april i I don't know that information i'm not and i'm not saying that I really do know, but I'm acting like I don't. I, I, I truly, I think they're going to get a second lineman. I don't know who that's going to be right now. You know, so just kind of having some fun with it. But I, I do think that would be the number that I would set for April. I, as far as get to the end of the month, I think over under would be five and a half. I think I can maybe live with you. You wanted to go four and a half of public commitments. 
Sure. But I, I really feel like to, to your point, Ryan, that if we talk about the end of the month, that I, I do think they'll have more than five new commitments on the board. Which is, I mean, if they go over five and let's just say it's six, for instance, having 15 at this stage, that's a big number. Well, that included potentially picking up a 2024 guy too, which I'm not guaranteeing, but like at least, but to your point, it's still a big month. Yeah, that's huge. You're over halfway done with your class before you get to May 1st. I I mean, because when we were setting the visitor list, it was like January 29th was the junior day. And then you didn't have anything for a while. I mean, every single weekend this month is just visitors 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 and then that obviously concludes with the 23rd which is the biggest visit weekend that we've had to date right so mm-hmm. I, again i i just i think that the avalanche has already begun benjamin i think that if i would call the blue gold game anything i would call that maybe a little bit of the falling action or maybe we're still in the climax a little bit of the class like i think that's where you're like I think we're going to start to see a little bit of clarity already before the blue gold game, and then the blue gold game is just going to continue that momentum. That's what I consider it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think it'll begin before then. Now, could I see the blue gold game maybe being where more numbers happen? Maybe, but again, I don't. I don't think you're going to see like five kids committed to blue gold game like people think. Because honestly, if I put myself myself in their shoes, Ryan, which was a lot longer ago for me than you. But if we were back to, you know, we played high school football, right? And we got recruited to play you know, college football. I wouldn't want to commit on the same day as five other guys. I want my moment, right? Like, I'm just being honest. I would have. I would have. And I know that these kids a lot of times do. They want their moment. And sometimes, like, like okay, so, for example, Brennan Vernon and Keon Keeley planned their commitments out together. But they didn't do it the same day. They went one day and the next day, right? That was – they worked that out, right? And so I think – we may see something like that, but I don't think we're going to see like five kids committed, committed to the blue gold game. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think some will be before, some will be maybe the day of, some will be after, but I don't think it's going to be a situation where it's like five kids commit, right? I just, it would surprise me a little bit, to be honest with you. It really would. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't think multiple guys could do it. Just, you know, I just, I don't, I just, I don't think it'll happen that way. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, no, I agree completely. I think that, I mean, especially in today's age, right? Like, I mean, you'll, you'll get a, a commit that, you know, is silent that wants to, you know, just take a few weeks to get their commit video done, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it happens all the time. So, and I don't blame them at all. I, I feel like I would be the same way. It's, I mean, like I went to, I played, I ended up playing division three football. So like, I wasn't a big deal. Right. But you, I mean, if I'm a high level player that can get on CBS or get on ESPN or get on whatever, you know, X network to, to announce the commitment. I, I feel like I would, because like you said, that's a big decision in someone's life and be able to play division one football, especially at right. somewhere like Notre Dame. Like that's a big moment. And I don't blame anybody for wanting that moment for themselves. Absolutely. I don't, I don't. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. See, uh, we, we, had some, we had some things here. Um, Brandon Plensner says, I don't understand how there are new rankings in the offseason unless this is their first ranking since fall football ended, but I doubt it. It's not their first ranking update since the season ended. So uh, I don't know what the ESPN rankings are based off of. It was, um, uh, you know, we we had uh, Notre Dame two one six four. The new Notre two four seven rankings were up today. Pretty much all Notre Dame players committed, and to, all players committed to Notre Dame fell in the, except Keon Kelly. That's because Keon Kelly is the only guy that didn't fall in basically <laughs> in the ESPN rankings, and that was the two four seven composite rankings. But you no, know, Brand is referring to the to the ESPN rankings, Ryan and. You know, as we as I looked through them, and, and I know you looked through them too. It, it, it's not even just about Notre Dame guys. This was not an this wasn't an anti Notre Dame rankings update. This was just a bad rankings update. And I don't know. I you know I, I sent a text to a buddy of mine, and I was like, you know, is is Brennan is Brennan Vernon not like having a lot of success fishing? Is his snowboarding technique not right? Because that's about all he's done since the season since the, the last ranking came out. You know, like what caused Drake Bowen to drop forty four spots? He not hitting the baseball well enough, you know what I mean? Like some of this stuff is just pat. Like Don Schuler, what has he done to drop forty spots? Some of the stuff is absurd. And Carnell Tate dropped ninety spots. Mm-hmm. Now he's the one guy in that group that actually has been doing things like playing on seven on sevens. And there's not a person that hasn't said Carnell hasn't been balling out at these things. So that's just ESPN. I mean, I'm at the point now, Ryan, where I'm almost like we're just going to stop using them as a resource. It's gotten and it, it, again, it's not anti Notre Dame. They had Dante Moore in the top ten. They had Keon Keeley moved up to twenty third after being thirty third. Jason Moore's forty one. I mean, there were some positives in there for Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but it's just you look at it and you're like, I mean, why are we wasting our time? It's it's gotten so bad that it's just almost hard to take them seriously. Do, do they? And, and this is a serious question, Brian. Do they, do they? Do you think that they hold it against players that don't do a lot in the off season, as far as like the seven on sevens, some of the camps? Like, do they hold that against the players? I mean, that's I'm, a good I'm, question. I'm, I'm genuinely curious because, like, again, to your point about Brendan Vernon, for instance, did someone see the picture and was like, "Oh, he's a defensive tackle now. Like, we got to drop him. He's not as valuable anymore." Like, what? What? deserves that fall like i just don't know because right. it was 40 something spots right like, yeah he went any... from 58 to 104th it's it's not like he dropped like you know five or ten spots because there were just guys that went over top moved of him, up. Though. right right yeah even though what did those guys do that deserved to moved up because they also i mean if it's a situation where it's like hey you know what we hadn't seen a lot of film of this kid we got some good film in we like him we saw this kid at a seven on seven we saw this kid at camp I don't think I wouldn't be making a whole lot of evaluations based on that unless you just didn't have a I've said this before. Camps and evaluate in 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 uh, seven on sevens are good for kids that you haven't seen a lot of, in my opinion. And then kind of confirming some things, good or bad, that you've seen on film of other kids. But it shouldn't be a thing where like, wow, this kid had average film and then he dominated a seven on seven without pads, and so we're gonna move him up 50 spots, like or drop him 50 spots. Like I remember when rivals did this with Ronald Jones, they had him at one of their dumb rivals camps and he was like a five-star back, like ranked really high. They dropped him down because he didn't have a good camp. And, and I remember talking to him. He's like, dude, I got like three reps and over the course of like an hour. 
You know what I mean? And he was like, he's like, I dropped a couple passes. He was like, it was such a, was such a weird thing. And of course, you know, he goes out for a senior year and he rushes for about 3000 yards and 40 touchdowns. He goes to the Under Armour game and he's the, you know, he's the MVP of the Under Armour game. And, and guess what? He's back up to, you know, you know, a decent ranking. And it's like, you know, these things are so silly. You know, like, why are you evaluating a running back based on what he's doing with no pads on? Right. Like, you know, it just, why are you, you dropped a linebacker because of what he did at a camp? What? Like, seriously? But that's just what they do because look, they've, they've got stories to write and sell and they've got clicks that they need to achieve. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, I, but I, I don't think, I think ESPN has biases. I mean, obviously if you are in their all-star game, you're going to go up or you're going to not go down. Right. I mean, you're just at least going to stay the same. And we've seen time. I mean, was it ESPN had Kyle Hamilton and, and, uh, and this is another reason why I'm just like, I'm just kind of ready to be done with them as a, uh, just using them as a resource because they're just wrong so much. They had Kyle Hamilton ranked as the number 165 player in the country. And they had Quentin Nelson ranked as the number 175 player in the country. And it was just significantly low. And the, the reason it's a problem is, look, we all make mistakes. I've had guys I thought were better that they would be. I had Josh Barajas as like a – he wouldn't have been a five-star in my current grade, but he would have been a four-and-a-half-star guy, like top 50 guy. And he was terrible, right? I mean, we all have misses, but like when you're missing that bad with players that are obviously and everybody else has them way higher, it's just like there's either a bias there that just makes your rankings not usable or you just aren't good at this. And I'm not sure which one is more relevant for ESPN now is either they're just not good at this or their bias is so absurd that they don't even care about being respected or honest anymore yeah and i mean there's a lot that we could digest as far as i mean what was it top notre dame wide receiver target carnell tate was what the 19th rated receiver right he's ranked higher than that overall with everyone else it yeah it's absurd man it's just and even i mean and this is very this is very big nitpicking on my part and i will Mm -hmm. admit that but keon Kelly is the 23rd player in the country 22 players better than Keon Kelly. Like, that that will make serious? this one of the best recruiting classes in the history of high school football. Absolutely. I mean, if I had to throw a positive about them, I will say that I think I saw Jaden Osbury in as the 32nd player. I'm happy he's getting a little bit of pub because there's a couple recruiting. I think it's like on three maybe that had Jaden Osbury as like the 150th, 150th yeah. player or some crazy yeah. like that. So Yeah, they, they, they also have some really, really screwy rankings too. Now, from what I understand about on three, the problem there is it's, oh, yeah, he's 168 at on three, Jay Nosbury. He is 93 on 247, 39 on Rivals, and now 32 on ESPN. I mean, he's got to be somewhere between Rivals and 247. I mean, he's for sure definitely a top 100 guy. But, like, they had Dante Moore, like, 49th. And Chris Vizina was ranked ahead of Dante Moore. I don't know a school in the country that would take Chris Vizina over Dante Moore. Well, clearly Notre Dame isn't, right? So you just sometimes – but what I heard about on three, and again, I don't know how true this is, but what I've been told is that it's basically one guy doing their rankings. And when you just have one guy doing rankings, and, and, and this is also speaks for me, there's less of a process to kind of say, I think you might be missing the boat on this guy, right? Like I think you might be off on this guy. And, and, and so 
I think that's kind of the thing there. Cause like, then you read the report about Dante Moore and you're just like, that's not the guy that I've seen on film, but at least in, in on three's defense, they will put, they have analysis of almost every single kid in there. Now they don't explain why kids drop because honestly, that's all they would do because there'd be fan, every fan base in the country would want to know that, but at least they have analysis in there that explains why the, how they view a kid, you know, but it's just overall, it's just, there's a, a couple of those rankings. I mean, and it's kind of bad now when you're looking at like rivals is maybe number two of all the recruiting rankings evaluators. It's like, that's bad when you're behind rivals and your ability to evaluate recruits, that's a problem. That's a major problem. I would, I would love, and, and again, like you said, every evaluator has their misses. No one mm-hmm. is perfect, but I, I would just love to sit down with someone at ESPN that does these evaluations. And I would just like to just, kind of watch yeah. just walk me watch. through why you think that kid is where he is 100 yep. yeah and, and no disrespect at all like i i am actually genuinely curious i am not saying this to be like wow you're an idiot and I, i'm gonna sit there and kind of you know get, you know give him a once make fun run. of you <laughs> yeah so to, to like what oh you should be looking at this and not like i'm not there to, to right. correct them at all like i genuinely would just like to watch and see the process i really would and that's the one thing i like about on three and i'll say it again I can read their analysis of Dante Moore and be like, based on what they wrote about him, I understand why they rank him 49th. Now, I think they're wrong in their analysis, but at least they're putting an evaluation on there that says, we don't think he's really all that athletic. We don't think he, mo- you know, he moves all that great. I, I you know, I don't think that's accurate, but I, I get it, right? At least now I can point to, why doesn't he has to, on three think Dante Moore is a five-star quarterback? Well, read the analysis. They don't think his arm's great. It's good, but not great. They think he's by far the least athletic of all the quarterbacks in the top group. Okay. We can disagree with it, but at least we can point to something that says that's why they have him there. The thing about ESPN is there's no analysis to this. There's none. It's just like, okay, here's the ranking, and this is what it is. I mean, look, I don't think – I think you can make a case that Carnell Tate, I I wouldn't agree with it, but like because it's a good, it's it's a really this is a good class nationally. There's some strong positions. Quarterback's a great class. I the more I watch the O-line class, I really like this O-line class. That you know, this is a really good, in my opinion, this is a really good linebacker class. And there have been some I like not corners a really good corner class. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm seeing a few good safeties, not a ton. Good D-line class, not a great D-line class. Uh, you know, but but there's some positions where I'm like, you know, this is a good year. And and I think you could make a case that maybe Cardinal Tate's not ninth or 14th or 17th, right? Now, again, I'd have him as a top 25 guy. But if you want to say, look, you know what? He's more 35 to me. And I'd say, I think we could have a conversation there. We, we can, hey, you know what? Let, let's debate this. I think he's 15. You think he's 35. Let's discuss it. But at least we're, we're working with a similar – but when you put him at 134, it's like, dude, we're not even in the same universe at this point in time. Like, I, I, you know, like, did you watch the wrong guy on film? Like, were you watching his film thinking he was this number, but he was actually that number? I mean, that's happened before. I have done that before where I watched a kid's film and it was a kid of the same name and I watched the wrong guy. But he was like, you got to watch this kid. And I was like, dude, that guy's terrible. And he's like, dude, you are so wrong. I'm like, God, that, like, that kid's not a Division One football player. He's like, man, well, you got to do that again. And I'm like, 
send me the film you're looking at. And he said, and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's not the guy I watched. <laughs> I mean, it happens. Like you make, or you, you think he's number such and such. And he, you think he's number 68 and he's actually, you know, 60, but he's, you think he's number 68, but the way the high school jerseys are, you can't, you know, there's a 69 on there and you watch the wrong guy. I mean, stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I, I can't, I can't sit down and like, hear you s- explain to me why Cardinal Tate's ranked number 134. I, I just can't especially with some of the guys that were ranked ahead of him. Like I loved, I, I really like Jeremiah love. He's not 44 spots better than Carnell Tate. Yeah, They have him ranked 44 spots better than Carnell Tate. Uh, it just, some of it was just really screwy. And ESPN has always had some really wonky rankings, Ryan, mm-hmm. but at least you could understand the method to it. Some of this is just absurd. I mean, it's just really, really really bad and and we're gonna have a conversation about uh we're gonna have a conversation moving forward about whether or not we're gonna continue to use espn as a because i mean we include all the rankings in our player profiles and all those type of things we did i did a story today kind of breaking down the latest recruiting rankings we're gonna have a conversation here about what are we gonna do about espn moving forward right because it's gotten it's gotten really bad in my opinion did you see that they had Jaden Greathouse listed as a tight end? No. Are you serious? Go to go to, go to their list. Number 85, Jaden Greathouse, tight end H. H-back. Wow. They have him as a because I was looking, I saw that he was 85. Like, yeah, my, my next conversation was gonna be like, hey, I am the biggest Jaden Greathouse fan probably in the world, but like he's not better than Carnell Tate, right? Like that was going to be my conversation, but right. then I saw a tight end next to his name. At 6'2", 220, he's listed as a tight end. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing about his game that says tight end to me. Nothing about his game. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking. That's yeah, that's that's a little that's a little nuts, man. Yeah, like they've got Mac Markway ranked number 122. They have Mac Markway ranked 10, 12 spots higher than Cardinal Tate. Think about that. I mean, that's about as an absurd of a thing as I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, that is just, that is just bad. I mean, that's just like, I don't even understand. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't get that one at all. Ryan. And again, it's not just Notre Dame guys. I mean, there's some other guys I look at and I'm like, that guy's not going to Notre Dame and that's a stupid ranking. Like mm-hmm. I have a hard time believing that there's 150 better football players in the country than Caleb Presley. I agree. Agreed. I mean, he's not coming to Notre Dame, and no one thinks he's coming to Notre Dame, so they're not going to have him ranked there because of that. Uh, Rodney Gallagher was 172. <laughs> That's absurd. I mean, it's like, okay. I mean, they even have – and I liked Avery Johnson, the quarterback out of Kansas. They have him ranked as the 94th player in the country. Yeah, That's no no way. Not high. now. Yeah. No. Not, I mean, unless your entire ranking is built on just pure upside – but even then, there'd be some contradictory things to that because I don't think that would make sense for some other guys to be ranked where they are. No. But I'm just looking through. And they dropped Cedric Irvin out of the top 300, which that didn't. I mean, he was 265. But then they also dropped Cooper Flanagan out, which I thought was a little a little strange. Uh, Kyler Casper is the number 237 player in the country. Have you seen him play, Ryan? Have you seen film of Kyler Casper? M.A. is a tower. Pull and he's athletic. Like, he's I don't see basketball player. Yep. I don't see how you can have him at number two thirty nine. 
The next clo- lowest is 247 at 143. I think Rivals is closer to him. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I've probably agreed with more of Rivals rankings in this class than I have anybody else. And that's yeah. kind of makes me want to cry. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're, they're, I'm just looking at these ESPN. Their wide receiver rankings are very odd. Yes. I feel like very odd. I'm just. Yeah, it's hmm. strange. It just, yeah, there's just, there's no, like, I can't even get around like, okay, yeah, I can, I don't agree with that, but I understand it. There's just some of this stuff is just, I mean, as I was going through it earlier, just shake your head and you don't have a clue what's going on. Caden Fegan was 285. I definitely think that's too high. I I mean, a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the big schools passed on him. That's why he picked Illinois, you know? So I just, um, they had, they had Micah T's kind of low too. 258. Yeah. That's yeah, they had to, they had Jay Lamart two fifty six, I believe, which wow. I, I'd probably put him about about fifty spots higher than that. But it, but when when I'm arguing like two hundred or two fifty, that's not a that's not a, like a big argument for me, right? Like that's kind of in a wheelhouse. Like you know, I just and, and like honestly, like Brayden, Brayden, Brennan Vernon's ranking, I don't think that he's super far off at one hundred four from where I'd rank him. I kind of have him like seventy five to eighty five right now, seventy five to ninety. It's more of what did he do to justify being dropped from 58 to 104? That's the bigger concern that I have. What did Drake Bowen do to be dropped from, what was it, like 42 to like 86? That's what you can't explain to me. And it uh, that's the part that I have a hard time, that I have a hard time working through, Ryan. As I, as I look at these rankings, it's like it just a lot of that just doesn't make it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So yeah. Anyway, I, I feel, I feel like we could just walk through this list and just have a lot of different conversations. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think putting Arch Manning as the number one player in the country is just lazy in my opinion. And, and I, I think, I think the, the Arch Manning thing is interesting because I feel a lot of people, a lot of people overrate him because he's a Manning. And I think mm-hmm. the opposite happens with others. I think there's a lot of people that underrate him because he's a Manning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think he's a top, you know, as the more I've watched Arch and studied his film, I think he's a top 30-ish type of player. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's a top five kind of guy. Sure. And, you know, that's just, but that's just kind of, I mean, it is what it is. But I'm not going to sit there and be like, you know, he should, you know, I've had people tell me he's not a top 100 player. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> And, and like somebody said, Irishman said, the thing they did is commit to Notre Dame. And it's like, but that, but they've had multiple ranking updates since some of these kids committed to Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, and you can't use Keon Keeley as an example because you could say, well, he's leaning other places. So that might explain why they, because you know, the, the three guys that are taking visits are the ones that either went up or didn't move. It was and Justin are- Rhett, uh, um, Peyton Bowen, and Keon Keeley, or the three that didn't move. Ke- uh, Justin Rhett went down a spot, Peyton Bowen mm-hmm. stayed, and then Keon went up 10. And, and the so. guy that we were talking about most was Cornell Tate, who's not in the class for Notre Dame right now. With right. It, nor would he, anyone at ESPN think he's going to pick Notre Dame. Right. Like I would imagine people at ESPN think he's going to pick Ohio State. So, again, I don't think this is an anti-Notre Dame thing. I just think this is a you're not good at your job thing. Like, Derek LeBlanc at 31, that's way too high for him. Well, here's what some of these positions are just weird to me because I'm looking at 217 Rico Flores, which, like, okay, 217, I'm cool with. That's fine. Let's hit him as an athlete. 
why is he listed as an athlete? Do you think that he could play a different position other than receiver? Is anyone why? even recruiting him to play another position? Like right. that makes no like, sense to me. Like that tells me that like, yeah, that tells me that there's some people that maybe could like, why is he not just listed as a wide receiver? I, right. I don't understand. So. Right. Chase Basantis at 52. Yeah. that's way Is too high, way too high. You need to throw a one in front of that. Yeah, but <laughs> he's he's certainly a top 200 kid, but like, yes, come on, yes, man. he's more 150. Noah yeah. Rogers at 57 is definitely too high. Uh, Dylan Lonergan at 62, the quarterback from Georgia, is too high. Yeah, there's Dev, some Dev, there's Devin, Devin Houston at 182. That's nice to see, though. That's yeah, nice. yeah, uh, yeah, he's 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 getting, I think, Rivals is the only one that doesn't have him. Um, Ranked on that level, I believe. On three, has him at 264, 247, 174, ESPN 182. Rivals has him uh, number 14 D lineman, but they don't have him in the top 250. So they may have him right where on three is, at like 264. But, yeah, it was nice Ex- to see him be there. Explain this one to me, Brian. Explain this one to me. I have the son of Dalen McCullough, Dye McCullough, at one. 68 and then we already talked about mike and he's at two something mm-hmm. how how is that like explain that one to me can, can you explain because they're both listed as corners in this room. yeah can you i i don't even dislike that Di- diane mccullough but like right. i i watch mike and i'm just like guys come right on. <laughs> come on right yeah harris sewell at 65 they have harris sewell 30 spot 20 some spots ahead of monroe freeling that's not happening. And Luke Montgomery is a guy that all the recruiting services have ranked high, and I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a top 100 player. He's a good player, but I, I I don't get that consistent ranking of him as a highly ranked player. And Jaden Wayne at 74. Have you seen Jaden Wayne yet? The kid the, from Washington? The, oh, the Washington Edge, The big, right? long, athletic kid from Washington. I have a hard time believing there's 73 football players in this country better than him. Ethan Nation at 81 is a corner. It's way too high. Yeah, some of some of these rankings I just look at, Ryan, and I'm like, what are you doing? And, and they have nothing to do with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with Notre Dame. No. So I just, yeah, I just, it, it's, yeah, I just saw, I just noticed, I didn't actually notice the Avery, uh, the Avery Johnson one earlier. I didn't even mm-hmm. notice that one. And that's a, that's a bit of a. That's a bit of an odd one, but hey, it is what it is. They had the kid from Maryland, the the Umi Azulu kid yeah. at 107, just behind Brennan Vernon. He's got some upside, but I don't get that's one I don't get either. They have that him was, over 100 yeah. spots higher than Bubakar Traore. I don't understand that one at all. Yeah, no, that, one, that one doesn't make much sense. Yeah. I'm even looking like the, the kid that they've that Notre Dame's kept contact with, the, the Cameron Lenhart kid from. From IMG, the defense fan, mm-hmm. one seventeen, and Bubakar's like two oh something, two eleven or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's just. Uh, yeah. I'm just. I'll leave it with this: the, if you if you think that Mac Markway is better than Cardinal Tate, you shouldn't be doing this. And if you think he's twelve spots better than Cardinal Tate, you need to find another line of work. And we'll leave it at that for this part of the conversation. Uh, and then Kuba Puig says, "I can't believe on three uh dropped Dante to the number four quarterback. Why? That one I can see this is the thing that we were saying earlier at Ryan. I think that we can explain that. And now not that I agree with it, but you can look at on three's analysis of of Dante Moore and say, okay, 
I, I disagree with their ranking, but I at least they explained it. And basically, here's what it is. Uh, they talk about his accuracy and efficiency. They call him a touch passer and all type of things. Has a quick release. Shows a good arm, capable of deep shots off play action, put together efficiency, et cetera, et cetera. Does not appear to be quite the athlete or run threat as some of the other quarterbacks in the cycle at this time. We'll need to continue improving his movement skills and foot quickness. So uh, agree or disagree with that evaluation, at least you can point to it and say, okay, here's why they have him. Right. 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 And. You know, again, I don't, I don't agree with it, but at least you can, you can point to it and say, okay, this is where they have him. Now, the interesting thing is they actually have him as number five quarterback uh, on their personal rankings. They have Arch number one, Malachi Nelson number two. They have Nico number three, and then they have Chris Vizina ranked ahead of of Dante Moore. They have Chris Vizina at number twenty. Number twenty overall. Number huh? twenty overall. Wow. Yeah. And he is ranked 79 by ESPN, 53 by 247, 54 by Rivals. I think I would probably have him in between Rivals and ESPN. I think he's more of a 75-ish kind of guy than he is a 50 guy. But it's sure. it's that's a that's a nitpick. But you start getting him into the 20 range, it's like, mm. yeah, you you're know, calling him, you're calling him a border borderline elite player. I mean, if you're a top 25 player, you're an elite player in my opinion. I mean, sure. Because sure. 20 at the end of the – he may not be a five-star now, but this is the games they play. Like right now, Brandon Vernon, number 17 in the country on Rivals, is not a five-star. We all know he's going to be – you. All, we all know you're going to have 32 five-star players every year. You do it every year, right? So why are we playing this game? Oh, that's right. You have a release you want to make of who are the new five-stars, and it's about clicks. I mean, that's what it boils down to. But um, if you have a guy number 20, you think he's an elite player because he's going to be a five-star when it's all said and done. And that's another thing I hate is if there may not always be 32 five stars in the class. Sometimes there may only be 15. Sometimes there may be 50. It has yeah. to vary by year. And like, I've never understood like, well, who we, we got, you know, we got to put the, the top quarterback in a class has to be ranked here. Why? <laughs> if he's, I don't care what position he plays. It's like this year in the NFL draft, right? It's like, well, somebody's going to go in the first round of quarterback. And it's kind of like, but why? <laughs> None of them are first round players. But some of them are going to go, and that's just the, the nature of it. But that's different than uh, just a pure ranking system. So it, it you know, well, they they had that. I think I remember the one the recruiting cycle when Spencer Rattler came out. Right, I think he was like a top thirty ish type of player, but he was like borderline to being like a five star player by a lot of rankings and stuff. And then like the quarterback class just in general that year was bad, if I remember correctly. Who's this? So, what the Spencer Rattler year when yeah. he came out? Gunner Keel was that way too. He got ranked. Yeah as the number one quarterback by one of the services. And so they bumped him up to five-star and it's like, no, it was a bad year. It's like Notre Dame's two best quarterbacks that year were like him and Matty Mock. You know, it was just like, who were both good players, but they weren't five players. I mean, right. five-star players. But yeah. Spencer Rattler was one where like, they just kind of raised him way up. Cause he happened to be the perceived best quarterback in that class. Spencer mm-hmm. Rattler was never a five-star talent. Some people say, well, why didn't he pan out at Oklahoma? I think he did actually. <laughs> I think that's who spent he's he's a solid quarterback. He just that's what he is. But when you're it's kind of like this. I, I've had this conversation with a buddy of mine, and, and we're talking about uh we're talking about Daniel Jones and 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 Mitch Trubisky. And I said if Mitch Trubisky was a fourth round draft pick, there'd be a much different perception of him as an NFL quarterback than the fact that he was number two overall. Same exact career, there'd be a different perception of him. Doesn't mean he'd be a better player, but the perception would be different. 
And same thing with Benjamin with Spencer Rattler. It's he got beat out by an elite player. He's not an elite player. And that elite player is only like what one year behind him, two years behind him, significantly better player. But it's just he just was never what they made him out to be. And that's and I think he made I, I like him going to South Carolina. I think that was a smart choice because it's it gets him out of the spotlight a little bit. It's a good program. They need him. His tight end is going with him, but it gets him out of the spotlight a little bit. I think that's something that helped Matt Corral at, at Ole Miss too. Get him away from a big time program. Let him. I mean, it's not that he's obscure because I mean Ole Miss is still an SEC program, but it's not like it's not like it would have been had he gone to USC or Florida or Bama or Ohio State. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and I think that helps you. I think that'll help Spencer Rattler a little bit because I think USC fans, South Carolina fans, will be a little bit more maybe appreciative of him than maybe Oklahoma fans were that. If you're not Baker or Kyler or, you know, then you're a bum. Um, and that's just the reality of it. So, I don't know. What did you think of that as we kind of wrap up, Ryan? What did you think of his choice to go to South Carolina? I liked it. I, I thought it was – so, I, I actually liked the one quarterback that South Carolina had there, Jason Brown, who had transferred actually from a smaller school, and he's actually at Virginia Tech now. So, I was I was – I felt unfortunate for him because I felt like he was in a decent situation as well. But I, I agree. I, I think that Spencer's certainly a talented player. The kid could throw the football. Like there's no doubt about it. He has a very strong arm. Absolutely. And there's a lot to like about him, but I, I do think that he's a little bit Hollywood in that sense, right? Where mm-hmm. like he kind of wants the limelight on him a little bit. So I was actually mm-hmm. happy he picked a program where you're not as much in front of everybody. I think that yeah. might tell me there's a little bit of internal growth there that like, hey, I think I need so. To- yeah. Kind of get to the grindstone here a little bit, you know, yeah. and put my head down. Like I, I like the fit, and like you said, Austin Stogner is tight end from Oklahoma is also coming with him, so he's got his security blanket coming with him as well. I thought we saw Spencer grow up a lot this year because kids like him, a lot of times they never have to deal with adversity as an athlete. Now, kids will deal with adversity as people and life and all that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about dealing with adversity as an athlete and, and a kid that has been told he's a great player for as long as Spencer Rattler has been told he's a great player, you know, tends to maybe have an opinion of how the world should treat him. That is, it's not really healthy. Mm-hmm. And and I think he was a bit immature when he first got there, but, but we saw some things last year, like one of the things he got a, he got an NIL deal or he, when he, when the NIL thing passed, he talked about, he put a thing out about how, X number of his stuff is going to go to charity, right? Which I thought was, you know, was, was pretty cool. And, you know, and then when he, he had his struggles and, and he, you know, went through the the benching and all that kind of stuff, whenever he came off the bench, you know, there was no pouting. There was no, there was none of that. It's like, Hey, I'm going to here do my job. He was a good teammate. And, you know, and I think that his decision to pick South Carolina, again, showed that, you know, maybe maybe last year ultimately was good for Spencer Rattler. Um, not that I would wish that on anyone, but sometimes sometimes you maybe need a little bit of adversity to get to that point where you're able to start making more mature decisions as a as a young man. Especially at quarterback. I mean, it's such a, I mean, because there's going to be ups and downs like always. So I when adversity hits, I think that that can show kind of character a little bit. And like I said, yeah. I thought that 
I thought that decision really showed me something. Because I mean, let's let's be very forthcoming about this. There were other programs that wanted Spencer Rattler. Like he's a bigger than player. South Carolina. Yeah, exactly. But I think that that just shows a little bit maybe of understanding of where the growth needs to continue in that sense. So I was happy to see the move. I, I think that it's going to be yeah. good for him in a lot of different ways. A lot of different ways. Yeah. So Ryan, I'm going to look down here and see if we have any more questions. Uh, thank you for booting that one. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know where those things come from. It's the weirdest. It's the weird. And they'll just pop in like at the end of a two hour long show or something like that. It's very strange. All right. I think that's going to be it, everybody. This was a good show, Ryan. Thank you for joining me today for this talk running back. Obviously a lot, a uh, lot going on. And, and I think this next month is going to, I think we're going to know very clearly by the end of the month where everything stands with everybody. So I don't expect these things to drag out. And what I mean by it, they'll either be in the class or they'll have moved on one of those two things. I don't think this is going to drag on into the summer. So that uh, that's going to do it. And as, and as Mace AK, my guy says, join the message board, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast to everybody, sign up for the message boards. Got a ton going on. Ryan's putting scoop out every single day, which I absolutely love. And he's going to have to carry the message board for the rest of the day because I'm basically getting ready to t- check out and go spend some time with my wife here on our 14th wedding anniversary. So um, oh, she's going to need a little bit of my time today. Yes, I can't believe she's put up with me for this long. <laughs> it's a very, very faithful woman because I'm a pain in the you know what. So uh, I'm not going to lie. So anyway, everybody have an awesome rest of your day, everybody. Smash the like button like my my friend Irish one here says. Join the message board, boards.irishbreakdown.com. And uh, have yourselves a great day. Thank you all so much for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.